Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, you look beautiful for a Labor Day crowd, or any crowd for that matter. Go ahead and stand up. I can tell it's a slow day today. It's kind of like, okay. Hold your Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A couple of things I want to uh, bring to you before we conclude this sermon or series entitled Get in the Game. One is uh, that small groups are about to kick off. Very important that you get involved with those. There are two reasons. One is your presence, your involvement is going to help people. Uh, and then the people that are in that group are going to help you. We're called to walk together in harmony and, and it's going to help you. So please text 500-1310 and, and hit groups and get signed up for a small group. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time. There will be a lot to learn. But more than that, there will be relationships built. Second thing that I want to address is oftentimes when youth ministry kicks off, parents have a lot of questions. Parents of 14, 15, 16-year-olds just want to get them out of the house. Uh, Parents of 12 and 13-year-olds actually act concerned. Uh, it's like this is the first time we're letting our kid go, and you know, and it's scary coming in with an 18 or 19-year-old. We have discussed this. If you have concerns about that, talk to Pastor Red Dog. And uh, the, the current plan scenario, just so you'll know, they're not going to be, always be together. There's a time of worship, a brief uh, word of encouragement from Pastor Red Dog, and then they break out into groups, age-appropriate groups. Uh, we're still working on even making that better. So if you have concerns, please, please don't keep your kids away. Uh, just come and sign up to be a youth leader. And then your kids won't come and you will. And so <laughs> that's usually how that works, right? Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, if you would, please. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about how to play in an away game. We talk about getting the game. Basically, mankind being on earth is an away game. First off, this was never God's design for us to play in conditions that are opposed to his will or his kingdom. As we know, in the garden, Adam and Eve were told they could eat from any tree in the garden except for one, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How many of you know that this is where it all begins? We want what we can't have. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So he lures Eve into a conversation, uh, convinces her that eating would be a good idea. And in that moment, we went from having home field advantage to being an away team, which means this is not our world uh, as it currently exists. And so there are rules in this world that we have to address and uh, I want us to look at the Apostle Paul as he encourage us, encourages us in Philippians chapter 3. He says these words. Um, but one thing I do, this is verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, the things of Christ. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which... God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Philippi, look, this is not where we're supposed to be. There's a heavenward goal. There's a prize that we need to set our eyes on. And he said, so many of us are looking around instead of looking up. And he says, I have forgotten the things around me, the things behind me. And he says, now I'm pressing toward the goal, which is heavenward. In Christ Jesus, and he says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. 
Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern, or that would be, in our case, in this sermon, according to the rules uh, of this world. And uh, he says, for I, as I live, have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. In other words, it's not of this world. Uh, I am a U.S. citizen. At one point, I uh, inquired about becoming dual citizen in the country of Lesotho as well as America because I was there so much and I thought it would just be easier but they would have not, not allow dual citizenship. I would have given up my American citizenship to be a citizen of that country. And so I chose the great U.S. of A. And so, uh, but, but citizenship is, is very important where you understand uh, where we are and who our opponent is and where our resistance comes from. Uh, too often we look around us and we blame other people for where we are. We blame other people for who we're not. And, and we make them our enemy. And so in the NFL, there or any sport for that matter, there's what's called the home field advantage. And, and you know, it, it, we've made more of it than really it, the, there is. According to an analysts, uh, a home field team only gains 2.6 to 2.7 points over the other team. That's all it is. And, and, and so it, it's not even a field goal in football. So there's just this minimal, marginal, little part of it. But, but it's still an advantage. You, you've got the noise. You've got the fans, which creates an attitude and a condition in your thinking that says, man, we have a lot of people here who are against us or at least are for the other team. Now, in the NFL, there are several dome stadiums. And, and teams that play in the outdoors oftentimes have a struggle going to a dome stadium because the noise is so loud. So what a lot of coaches have done to create a different condition in that stadium is they will, they will turn up music in the open air stadium where they're practicing so that the players can get used to playing in that environment. And so what they do is they prepare to change the condition of their mind, thoughts, and heart in preparation for the decibels they're going to face. I'll be talking about that more in just a moment. Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to use a story uh, and tell a story about how this works and three young men in the Bible that were in horrible conditions. Um, they were Jewish or Hebrew children and and uh, Babylon had come and taken over and taken captive the, many of the Is Israelites or the Hebrews. And, and so they had selected this group of young men that they said were highly educated, teachable, that could learn their language and their culture. And they were going to take the wisest of the Hebrew children and convert them into their culture so they could add to their strength and their wisdom. And then they would leave the other Hebrew children back where they were in dilapidated conditions. And, and, uh, and they would feed these Hebrew children the finest foods, give them the finest housing, put them in a place where they could thrive and, and they could begin to feel like they were loved by this evil king in this evil kingdom. And so in Daniel chapter 3, um, King Nebuchadnezzar had decided that he just wanted... He wanted to be worshipped, and they created this golden image. And they required, or the king required, that everyone in the kingdom, when the music began to play, that everyone in the kingdom would bow to this golden image that he had created. He was creating it for himself. It was as though it were worship unto him. And so when the music began to play, there were just several that didn't bow. Now, you can imagine, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just even say 100,000 people are surrounding this image. And all of a sudden, three, it's such a large crowd that the king doesn't even notice who is not bowing. But some of his leadership did, and they went to the king and said, you know what, there are three men that when the music began to play, refused to bow. 
So the king says, bring them to me. Beginning in verse 14. And it says, And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not do it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then the God, then what God will be able to rescue from my hand, rescue you from my hand. So he liked them so much, and he 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 wanted them on his team, if you will, that he said, Now I'm gonna do this again. And in front of me, because this time you're gonna do it in front of me, when it begins to play, you're going to bow. And if you don't bow, there are gonna be consequences for your non-response. So he's saying, basically, this is my field. I am the home team. Therefore, I set the conditions. What he failed to realize was he might establish volatile uh, conditions in that situation, but he can't rule. He can only change the rules. And he was changing the rules in this moment because he had the home field. It was his field. And he thought, I can change the rules. And now he begins to threaten them. And they responded to him, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent... And the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Now, I have a couple of interesting thoughts here. That you have all of these other people, Hebrew children included, in Babylon. And they had determined... That it would just be easier to go along with what the king wanted. But there were three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that said, You know, we just cannot do this. Our conscience will not allow it. Now, there are many of us in this world system that you're in a job, you're in a business, you're in a factory, you're in a family, you're in a neighborhood, and you just don't like the way things are going. And, and in that, this world system, as the three Hebrew children were in that system, we have to figure out a way to make things work. And oftentimes what we do is we provide animosity or resistance or defiance toward the person that is in charge, who has set the rules of the game. And, and you have to remember, this is an away game. And that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Even in that day when there was no Jesus that we knew of, we knew he was coming, there was no presence or spirit, there was the Ark of the Covenant. Even in that day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew something that other people didn't know. They had this knowing that King Nebuchadnezzar is really not our enemy. He's not really the opposition. He's not really the opponent. They said, you know what? We're not looking at him. We realize there are other powers involved here trying to get us to deny our God. The question I would ask all of us today as I prepare to go into this message, are you prepared to play in the field of this world? There will always be people against you. There will always be people against us. There will always be people who don't like you. There will always be people who don't like us. There will be a few people who don't like me. 
I'm just having a positive confession this morning. And so what we have to realize is in the midst of the darkest hour, the hottest moment, the hottest fire, you have to really keep your focus and go, hold it. Who am I playing here? Is my enemy Nebuchadnezzar? Is my enemy my boss? Is my enemy my wife? Is my enemy my husband? Is my enemy or my opponent my mom, my dad, my neighbor? Who is your opponent? This is very, very important when we think about the rules of this world because we know that we have the New Testament. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. We have the Redeemer. We have opportunity to go to heaven in this moment. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we know one thing. We know Jehovah God, and, and we're not going to uh, dishonor Jehovah God. We're not going to bow our knee to a golden image that they call a God because there is only one God, and that's the God we're going to serve. So no matter whether we're playing away or at home, he is the one and only God. You say, how do I know this is an away game? Very simple. The Bible says in heaven there will be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. None of those things will exist in heaven. And that was always God's plan, even when he created Adam and Eve and began to create this earth by speaking and saying, let there be light and, and so on and so forth. He creates all this stuff and he created this perfect place without sin. And one day Eve is seduced by Satan and saying, why would God not allow you to eat from this tree? Because when you do, you'll surely become like him. In other words, Satan was saying you serve a very insecure God, which is the only reason he doesn't want you to eat from this tree, because you'll become like him. What they didn't realize, they were already like him, created in his image and his likeness. You don't have to do anything. God made you to be like him, not to be worshipped, but in his image and likeness he made you. And we have an identity crisis and oftentimes the opponents have no more power or strength than we do except the power of deception, which by the way is all Satan has, is the power to lie and deceive. He has no more power than you. People who are afraid of the devil don't know the devil. He's weak and defeated on the cross by Jesus Christ. Now greater is God in you than he who's in the world. Satan has no power and authority over you. The God of peace puts him under, his, under your feet and will crush his head. The deception is that you believe what others say. You, you do what others say that, that, that something is violated in you. And you go, well, you know, the majority of the people believe it. How many of you know the majority can be wrong? You know, well, you're a loser. You grew up in the wrong family, the wrong side of the tracks. And, and you hear that enough and you begin to believe it. What you've forgotten to realize is you're a child of the Most High God. You are the son of a king. And that you don't have to listen to that. Their voice is not the voice that you need to listen to. It's the voice of God. And they're not your opponent. The devil who lies, steals, kills, and destroys is the opponent. And he uses people to deceive you. And in this moment, he's trying to use Nebuchadnezzar to say, your God cannot compete against the God that I have created. He said, you know, they didn't get mean. I mean, if it would have been me, and I would have said, shut up, king. You're an idiot. I don't know how these guys control themselves because they're sitting here going, we know who God is. But they were respectful. And this is so absolutely important for us to realize as we play this game of life is that our family, our spouse, our job, our boss, the company we work for is not our opponent. And the minute you realize who you're playing is the minute you will play the game you need to be playing. You know, yesterday was an interesting day. I began watching the first half of the OU game, which really was less than a scrimmage. Now, you know, the reality is, and, and then let me go back to all you orange folks, because, uh, uh, you know, the OSU game was the same way. Nobody's, nobody's going to make headlines. We beat Missouri State. Woo, yippee. It's like being a 5A high school team. And Florida Atlantic, same way. You know, it's like, oh, you beat Florida Atlantic. They would have been better off to forego that game and have a, an intra-squad squad scrimmage. Uh, it would have been tougher. And, um, and so, but you have to know who your opponent is. So these, these coaches are going, we've got to prepare for Missouri State and Florida Atlantic. That's who we're preparing for. Guess what? I know in every coach's mind he's going, dear God, we could beat the, our third string can beat this team. So they have, that's even a harder. When I'm watching Lincoln Riley, I'm going, this has got to be the hardest game he'll coach all year. How do I keep from running up 100 points on these guys? You know how hard that would be? Well, you put in second, third team, and, and they're still killing them. I don't know how he took his foot off the accelerator. 
but I applaud him. And, and you know, I could Gundy. I like Mike Gundy a lot. I really do. So, Mike, if you're watching, God bless you, man. Bring the mullet back. Oh, anyway, so when I think about it, I think, you know, okay, so real hard point here is this. Looking ahead at another opponent that's not yet your opponent. A team that's going to provide you some resistance. And so sometimes we get our focus off of our true opponent is what I'm saying. And we look beyond the fight that we're currently fighting thinking, once I become the boss, here's how things are going to go. Hold it. You're not the boss yet. And before you become the boss, you've got to fight a fight to get to the place of being the boss. Because until you know how to be a good employee, you will never be a good employer. Think 60% of you, the other 40 are going, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I do, because I've been both. And until you understand one, you won't be good at the other. And so, you know, until you've been a good player, you're never going to be a good coach. Because the minute you give respect to a coach, the day you coach, you'll get respect. The minute you act like an idiot and think you're smarter than the coach, then you'll be the idiot coach that everybody thinks smarter than them, than you. A shot. <laughs> so, conditions are more important than locations. So, it doesn't matter where you're playing. What matters are the conditions by which you play. And everything begins with the condition of your heart. What is the condition of your heart? When I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I could tell the condition of their heart by how they spoke to the king. They weren't disrespectful. They weren't dishonoring. They simply honored God. Do you realize that people uh, are going to disagree with you? I mean, in your family, it, if you have five people in your family, there are five opinions about where you're supposed to go eat. You can't even agree on what kind of food, where to go, what to do. And if you're not careful... You will impose your own will on everybody else, and then everybody's imposing their will on everybody else, and you have chaos. Those people are not your enemy, even though they disagree with you. Learning how to agree to disagree is critical in our world. So when I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they learned how to agree to disagree. Oh, king, you tell us if we don't bow down and worship that we're going to be thrown into a fire that's going to consume us. And they just said, we disagree. Oh, king. Instead of, we disagree. Oh, idiot. Oh, stupid one. You obviously don't know our God. Because if you did, you buffoon. You moron. You would realize that the minute you throw us into that fire, we're going to make s'mores. That's how this is going to play out, dummy. No, they said, oh, king. Their focus was on God and what God would do. They had the conditions of their heart set right so as not to defy the one who was thinking that he was going to destroy their lives. The conditions of their heart was right. And they were respectful in disagreeing. You see, someone may change the rules. But they can never change the ruler. He is God. He was God. And he will always be God. He was ruler. He is ruler. He will always be ruler. And there are moments and times and, and seasons in life where it doesn't look like that the ruler is home and that somebody else is now ruling. But let me tell you, God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always. And even when it feels like someone's changing the rules, I'm still the ruler. And you don't have to worry about a thing because I'm going to be here in your darkest hour. And when you go into the fire. And they said, King, we're not bowing. And if God saves us, he saves us. And he will. But if he doesn't, he said, it just doesn't matter. You see, the condition of our heart, the condition of our hearts wherever we go will be critical to the future that we're designing. If you have a heart of disrespect and dishonor, and, and you, you think that everybody around you is a fool and they're your opponent. They're not. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. The enemy 
and the opponent are different. It may appear as though people are against you. But the reality is the devil's against you. And people will appear to be the problem, but there will always be disagreements. There were disagreements between the great men and women of the Bible. They just learned how to resolve those disagreements. And so in this case, they had the conditions of their heart set right. The greater the challenge, the greater the victory. Don't be afraid of great challenges. As a matter of fact, set your heart for great challenges. Because I'm going to tell you, when OSU or Oklahoma beats Alabama for the national championship, there will be headlines. Why? Because it was a great challenge. Beating Slippery Rock is not a great challenge. There are no headlines. OU upset Florida Atlantic. No, they didn't upset them. They beat the snot out of them. And it was not an upset. It was planned. Two athletic directors decided, let's have some fun. And the Florida Atlantic guy probably needs to move. How dare us open the season playing them. The, Albert Einstein put it this way. I never teach my pupils. I only attempt to provide the conditions in which they can learn. He said, I'm just, I'm just creating conditions that will cause people to open their minds and open their hearts. You know why? That's why we say we're creating a culture of love, grace, and mercy. How many of you know in a culture of love, grace, and mercy, we are setting the conditions for people to say, it's okay for me to come to Mosaic Church. Oh, I, 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 I'm hungover from last night. The music's a little loud, but I know it'll be all right. And some of you right now, you're high, man. You don't, you don't remember this, but you'll love me. So, man, I love this church. Yeah, far out, man. It's all good. It's all good in the hood. And religious people right now, but what's he talking about? We're just creating conditions, baby. Love, grace, and mercy. I'd rather have you stoned than have you get stoned. Well, I guess you would already got stoned if you are stoned. Anyway, so I'm talking about my rocks. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> See, coming here, then, you know, we're just going to create a culture of love, grace, and mercy that will say, you know what? We know that you're not who you want to be, but you're not who you, you used to be. And you're not who you're going to be yet. But this is culture, this condition of love, grace, and mercy says we're giving you time and we're giving you space to grow. Why? Because we're all growing and we will forever be growing. And if you think that you don't need any more growth, then just go ahead and go to heaven with yourself because we need your oxygen. Because the rest of us are sucking air. I'm just afraid when you get to the gates with that one and go, I'm already up in here, Jesus. Get out of here. You think you're already or something? where that came from <laughs> somebody needed to hear it and that's for sure you set the conditions which creates opportunity for people to change the majority by the way does not rule it might in a democracy but in God's kingdom, it's not the majority that rule, it's the righteous that rule. Which means, in this case, you have three men who are not the majority by any stretch. Everybody else has decided to bow. Or else, Nebuchadnezzar like, was looking the other way and letting another 10,000 people choose not to bow, which I don't think is the case. I think there were only three of them. And they said, you know what, we're not the majority and we, we may not even necessarily be able to speak for a lot of these people. But for us, this is how we're going to do this. Or as it's been put, as for me and my house, Joshua said, we'll serve the Lord. He said, I can't speak for every other house, but I can speak for my house. And this is how this house is going to live right up in here. This is what we're going to do. 
And some of y'all need to get the conditions of your heart in such a way that you know what? Y'all do whatever you want to do, but here's what I'm going to do. So at, uh, in the office, at the break room, and everybody else talking about the boss, you need to be looking and saying, you know what? I ain't bowing to that conversation because that conversation ain't going anywhere but bad. I'm going to speak well of all people. I'm going to be kind to all people. I'm going to be respectful to all people because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. I don't know about you, but I want a harvest of good and righteous and blessing. I want, a, I want a harvest of good stuff. And the only way you get that is what you sow into the field of your life. If you be stupid, you're going to get stupid. If you be idiot, you're going to get idiot. If you disrespectful, you're going to get disrespect. If you dishonor, you're going to be dishonored. If you're unkind, people are going to be unkind to you. You all being mean up in here expecting everybody to love on you. Nobody wants to be around you. And now you be, this is love, grace, and mercy. Yeah, I, have, I love you too much to let you sit there and live the rest of your life thinking that you're going to get different results by acting the same way. I, I know because I grew up in church, hated church by the time I was 16. Because you know why? The preaching was mean. Y'all going to hell. Clean it up. Get down here at this altar right now. Work yourself up. Work it up. Work it up. Tell me how bad you are. Admit it before God and me. Man, they had some preacher voices back in the day. They'd be hawking while they preaching. Not talking while they preaching. I never heard how good God was. I just heard how bad I was, and there just was no hope for me. I knew there was no hope for me because the preacher told me there was no hope for me. So I thought, if there's no hope for me, I'm going to have a lot more fun going to hell than y'all are. I'm out, scout. So I, I, but I was told we were the only church going to heaven, and I thought if we the only one going to heaven, there ain't going to be many people there because there weren't many in the pews. It was pewy. And I was convinced because my mama told me, and I love my mama, and she was a great lady, and I mean, she's still here physically. She ain't here mentally. But I'm telling you, I thought for sure I was the only church going to heaven and everybody else going to hell, and I live like it because I tell you going to hell. You don't do what? You do what? Do, do, do what? Dot, what? Don't, do, do. So after I got born again, then I started preaching and I started going to college. And then my first call out of college was I thought, well, you know, I want to go be around a bunch of people just like me. Because we're the only ones going to heaven. I just want to go be around people going to heaven. Well, then God calls me to a Methodist church. Well, my world, no Methodist going to heaven. They all going to hell. Ain't no Baptist going to heaven. Ain't no Nazarenes going to heaven. Ain't no Lutherans going to heaven. Ain't no Catholics. That's what I thought. And then God says, well, let me show you something. I'm going to put you in a Methodist church in Texas. I went, oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even know what they believed. I didn't know what they stood for. And so I thought, well, I better educate myself. So I started reading their doctrine called the Book of Discipline. I'm telling you, those Wesley brothers made me look like I wasn't even saved. I'm like, these brothers believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. They believe that God is alive. They believe God does miracles. We don't serve an age of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. All of a sudden, I got excited. I went to the first board meeting in that Methodist church, and I was more excited than those people. They didn't even want to be there. They didn't even want to be Methodist. I wanted to be Methodist more than they did all of a sudden. I want to be like this guy. And I realized... That God's not looking at the name on the outside of the building. He's looking at the name written on the hearts of men that dare believe that he is the son of God who died for the sins of mankind. I got the conditions of my heart right where I could preach to anybody. Largest Catholic church in Tulsa called and asked me to come and preach. I thought I'd never preached in a Catholic church before. What do I say? I didn't know even how what would offend them or what wouldn't. So I just did what they did. I said, Mary's words before Jesus uh, turned the water into wine. I said, do whatever he said. I just said, hey, whatever Jesus said, Mary said, do it. 
I just, I just right there with you. Mama Mary told us that. My son, whatever he tell you, do it. And there are four books that's got red in it that Jesus talking. So I figure if I just got four books of red, I'm going to do what he said. We're too busy doing what man said than what Jesus said. I'm going to do what Jesus said. And Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Man, if all you can do is read what's in red, you're going to live a great life. Conditions of your heart will determine the outcome of your life. I'm feeling like Bishop Jakes this morning. Somebody give me a towel up in here. <laughs> Dear Jesus. Just kind of jumped on me right there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but the conditions of your heart will give way or be led by the convictions of your understanding and your thought. What are your convictions? Here's what's interesting to me. How many other Hebrew children were in that crowd that decided to bow their knee? And here's the excuse. Hey, it's okay. God will love us. And that's true. God will love you. The question is, will you love you? When you know the right thing to do and you do not do it, the Bible says to that person it's sin. And we know that sin has its way of putting a veil between us and God. Where was everybody else? We have three Hebrew children out of hundreds of thousands of people bowing their knee to a golden image. And many of them were Hebrews. Majority doesn't rule, guys. Some of y'all looking around the business world, well, if everybody else believes it, it must be right. How many of you know the majority can be wrong? They are all the time. You're looking around for everybody else's approval. You don't have to look for everybody else's approval. You have to look for God's approval. How many Hebrews say, hey, man, look, don't cause any trouble up in here. You know, we got to live here. And quite frankly, we're kind of liking it. We have our own good little castle going on. We got food served to us every day. We're well treated. We're well educated. Don't. How many times have you heard, hey, hey, you just don't rock the boat? They said, well, you know, we're not mad at the king because he ain't really the king. We ain't mad. We're just not going to worship a golden image. Now, if you want to cut off a foot and give us the gold, we'll take it and cash it in. <laughs> but we ain't going to worship it, but we will spend it. That's what I'm thinking. Don't any of y'all think I'm against gold or nothing. I just ain't going to bow to it, but I will put it in my pocket. That's where gold belongs, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Give me some of that gold coin right up in here. <laughs> I'll, I'll share with my wife. Anyway, so. Okay, I'll give you a nickel. And I ask you all to talk. I got the stage up in here. It's my turn. I'm preaching good till y'all start preaching back at me. Amen, hallelujah is all you get to say. Don't start your own sermon up in here. What, we passing out Red Bulls at the information kiosk? Well, that's all. That'd be a scary day with all of us wings flying around here. I'm coming back. Stop. <laughs> Conviction. Conviction keeps us from playing less than our best. You will never be your best until you know what you're capable of and what's possible with God. Greater is God in you than the devil in this world and all the deception. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know what? This is not about all of y'all. It's about the three of us that have some conviction. And, and we're told in the ten that there are no other gods and we're not going to worship any other gods. And we ain't mad at you if you made other gods, but we're not worshiping the other gods that you made. You ain't changing the rules on us. This may be an away game, but we know how to play the away game because the Bible is the game plan, and the game plan doesn't change just because you're playing an away game. 
My citizenship's not here. I play by the rule book. Not The world system is not set up to play by this rule book. It's a fallen system of which you and I are a part and we too are fallen, but we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, which means our minds have been renewed and we begin to follow this game plan. And when he says forgive and you'll be forgiven, bless God, we forgive. When he says bless those who persecute you, we fight through it. Go God, before you bless them, would you slap the snot out of them up in here? <laughs> reach out and touch somebody for me, you know. <laughs> then I can get happy. <laughs> okay, you've been hit by God. I forgive you, fool. <laughs> An unchallenged life creates life without conviction. You never know what you're made of until you're made to know what you're made of. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, now we know who we are. It's not until you find yourself in crisis and you do the right thing in that dark hour, in that crisis, that you really know who you are and who God is in you. Amen. It's not your failure that counts. It's your response to your failure that counts. When you fail, that is not the problem because 100% of us in here have failed and will fail. It's not our failings. It's our response to our failings. When you fall down, will you get up? Yeah. Or will you listen to the crowd that wants to push you down? Just stay down, you idiot. Just stay down. I ain't staying down. Coming back. I was born to rise up, not fall down. I am like a weevil that wobbles, but I ain't falling over. He's back. Yeah. Make sure you're with the right people when it's furnace time. These three guys had looked at each other and said, it's all right. Don't you crater. Let's all three go in. I'm not sure about this, but if you go back to the number three, you have the father, son, and you have the Holy Spirit. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You look at the number three. God says, it just takes two or three gathered in my name. He said, there I am with them. In this case, he says, here I am in the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar looks down into the fire. His men had already been burned. They said, who's the fourth guy down there? Oh, he looks, he's shining like one of the gods. No longer. Didn't we just put three in there? Yeah, well, you put three in there, but there's somebody else down there. Let me tell you, in your hottest fire, in your darkest night, God said, I will be in the fire with you, and I will be the light that lights up your darkness. I walk around and see Christians looking like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Just sour and bitter. Nothing good ever happens to me. It's because you never do anything to make anything good happen. Where were the others? Only three of them believed that if I go into the fire, God will go. Some of y'all waiting on God to jump in the fire before you. Oh, he didn't burn, so maybe we'll be all right. God's saying, jump in the fire, I'll come with you, but don't expect me to go first because I want you to have some faith up in here that where you go, I will be there. I won't leave you. So when it gets hot for you, I'm up to the hot. I'm up to the heat. I got a tolerance you can't imagine, and I'm going to get you through that fire. I'm telling you, man, it's an away game. That means you have to turn up the heat. You have to step into the heat. Set the conditions of your heart. Say, no matter how many are yelling against me. I know that the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the great cloud of witnesses are looking over the arenas of heaven. And they're shouting, you can do it. We did. They threatened me with a lion, and he threw me in the lion's den. David said, Daniel said, he said, I'm all right. That lion became a kitty cat. They threw me in the fire, but it was still cold, and I just decided to make myself some s'mores up in here. <laughs> the greater the challenge, the greater the victory. 
some of y'all, somebody criticizes you and you change friends. A boss corrects you and you change jobs. You quit because your little feelings are hurt. Now I'm going to get busy pastoring you. You hurt my feelings. Next week, I'll get a bigger violin if this one doesn't work. <laughs> now, I love you, but listen to me. These guys have done nothing wrong except honor God, and they're thrown in the fire. You may have done nothing wrong except honor God and honor others and done the right thing. And you say, why have I not been promoted? I came in early. I left late. I've done my job well. I've done everything I was asked to do. Why am I not the one getting promoted? Because your heart and conditions are not right to handle the blessing and the prosperity that's about to come your way. If you can't tithe off of $10, God ain't giving you $10 million. Bless me, Jesus. Bless me. Oh, God, if you give me money, I'll give you a dollar. And that's about what you do. Always people say, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. I will pray for you. God, help us all be obedient. Amen. The reason God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because their obedience to him, not because of their greatness before him. God wants to bless obedience. It's not about how great or intelligent or smart you are. It's about how obedient you are to the things you already know to do. Oh, meddling. Thank you, Ted. Courage is not the absence of fear. This is the third point. Courage is the hidden ingredient to performance. It's the hidden ingredient. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Your life will be what it is because you have conviction enough that says, I can't do anything but what God says do, and I have the courage to live out my convictions and set the conditions of my heart. Me coming back to Oklahoma City wasn't even a challenge because I thought, I'm coming back to fail. I already had a plan. I'm just going to come back and say bye to y'all. I'm out going to the beach. I'm okay. And you know what? When your heart says, God, I really don't care why you send me, where you send me, and you ask me to do what you ask me to do, it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if it's just me and you, it's me and you. And me and you are the majority. So, God, let it be. Throw me in the fire. I know if I go into the fire, I'm just going to come out shinier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, I go in the fire. I'm coming out shinier. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But, Lord, test the heart. Let me tell you. That's how they took care of gold. They put gold, they heated it up. Fire was fire. Why? Because there were impurities in the gold. And when that gold gets so hot, the impurities rise to the surface and they scoop it off. It's called dross. And that makes the gold even purer. Let me tell you something. Don't pray that you get out of the fire. Ask Jesus just to come into the fire with you. And when he's in the fire with you, he'll take care of you. You won't even come out with a hint of smell of smoke on you. And neither did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they trusted God. And they said, we're going to bow our knee to one God and one God only. It ain't the rules we're worried about. It's the ruler. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to your courage. David and Goliath, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, Peter and John before the authorities telling him not to preach the gospel. And he said, man, we got to. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. What do you have a conviction about? Do you have a conviction about your future? Obedience to God will get you there. That's all that got these guys on the other side and out of the fire was their obedience to God. While all the other Hebrew children said, look, let's just lay low. And, and let's, just, let's just do this because, man, life is too good right now. Let me tell you, when life gets really good, your learning is never over. The process and the test is never over. We're constantly going back into the spiritual simulators and God's saying, you know what? I'm not tempting you. I'm testing you because I want to take all the impurities out of your life so that you will be a pure and devoted follower of me. And whatever I ask you to do, there won't be a question of why. Because this generation has what I call the why disease. Teenagers, why, 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 why? Shut up. Don't ask why. Say what? What do you want me to do? How can I do it? Because let me tell you something. 
If you honor, you will be honored. If you respect, you will be respected. Whatever you sow, you reap. We got too many Christians asking God, why? Why do I have to forgive them? Why do I have to love them? Why? Why? Okay, God, that's all I got. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. I think I should be done. Why? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That was tough, but I did it for you. <laughs> Bible says laughter is good medicine. I happen to like to take more than I should. <laughs> when you grow up in a depressed, fearful household... All you want to do is say, i got to get out of this. And I learned in my life that if you laughed a lot, you could live a lot. And some of y'all just need to go home and laugh. And you will confuse Satan himself. What are they laughing about? I got them miserable. They're broke, busted, and disgusted. Your laughter will turn into faith. <laughs> you say, I guess I'll go pick on somebody else. These people are laughing. That's right, devil. We're laughing at you. <laughs> Let's bow our heads and close our eyes before I get in trouble. <laughs> God, thank you so much for being such an awesome God. We can trust you. We can believe in you. We can exercise faith in you. We can go to the fire with you. We can go wherever. And you said you'd be there with us. But you're asking us to go first, first because without faith it's impossible to please you. And so, God, we have to take a step of faith to get you to take your step toward that faith. That's how come you even said if you, we call on your name, we'd be saved. You didn't say you're saved because I called on your name. We're saved because we're calling on your name, Lord. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to pray a prayer. All of us are going to pray it, those online, those in here. And those of you that have not given your life to Christ and say, I'm saved, there's no doubt I have the courage of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because I have the conviction they had, and I'm setting the conditions of my heart today uh, so that I can live the rest of my life in harmony with God and God's Spirit. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, today I repent of my sins and I choose you today. Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. I give you my life today. Amen.